0: Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Hello, everyone. Um, Hi. Uh, If you haven't met me before, my name is Sarah. Um, It's my great privilege to welcome you to the gathering service this evening. Um, We're going to continue our series in 1 John. Uh, So if you've been coming to the evening service the last few weeks, you know that we've been working our way uh, through uh, the book of 1 John. Um, And tonight we've got into the second part of chapter 3. Um, And So tonight, if you haven't picked up on the theme already, we're going to be talking about love, Um, hence Lion King clips. Uh, This song has been playing in my head all week. In fact, there's a disturbing number of songs that have the word love in the lyrics that have been playing in my head this week. Um, And it's been a challenge to root through them and figure out which ones um, are firstly appropriate. Uh, to play in a church service which ones are appropriate by decade as well Um, today I was assured that I was not allowed to play a song by Kiss um, because most people in the room don't know who that is Um, particularly that kind of age category um, over here um, as I was trying to work them out though apparently Rebecca does so bonus points to your parents I guess Um, well done There's so much that our society has to say about love and what it is um, and what it isn't. And this evening, we're just going to take a moment to think a little bit um, about what this passage um, talks about. And it starts here at verse 11. For this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. And we know that Jesus said to his disciples, this is how the world will know that you are mine by the way that you love one another. And that's why I asked you to think about, or Nathan asked you to think about, what it means to love and to be loved. Um, What that means um, and what that looks like for each of us. Um, And of course I kind of asked the question the wrong way round because it's not about loving um, other people and so therefore being loved yourself. But from the Christian perspective it's about being loved and out of that flowing love for other people. We um, sung earlier in a song, uh, "You are love," you meaning God, are love, and we actually get that from later in this book, chapter four. This is like spoilers. Say so now you don't need to come along next week. You do. You do still need to come. I don't know who's preaching next week, but now I feel bad for them. Oh, it's Joe. You definitely need to come because Joe Franklin is preaching next week. Everyone, and it's going to be fantastic. And what she's going to say is, in chapter four, it says the phrase. God is love. And this is a massive phrase. It's not saying that God does love, or God loves other people, or God likes to be loved, or God um, is loved by other people. It says God is love. It is what makes up who God is. It flows, everything we know about love flows from God because it is love that is what God is. And this passage says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And there's so much, like, (laughs) not drawing attention, Um, there's so much depth um, and detail in just that phrase. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. See, that is a love of ultimate sacrifice. That is a love of ultimate giving. That is a love that is beyond what most of us will ever experience. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure that nobody I know has ever died for me. I think. Um, I'm not 100%, but I'm pretty sure. Um, Out of all the people that I know that love me, they're all still alive, apart from a few family members who have passed on, sadly. But they did not die for me. It was old age or illness. So I don't know if that's better. i But I don't... I haven't experienced that from anybody else. It's a deep and um, incredible type of love. The love that gives up his life. And this is not really the love that we necessarily see around us. When I was Googling um, for a while about lyrics to different love songs going on, a distressing number of them did not have to do with love so much as they had to do with heartbreak and betrayal. It was sad to see how many of those songs um, were not about the experience of being known, of being loved, of having somebody else put their needs um, to the side and put yours first. It was about how they'd been let down, how they had been heartbroken, um, how they had not experienced really a sacrificial or self-sacrificing love. Um, And in the passage, the author talks about Cain and Abel as an example of this way back at the beginning of human history Cain did not love God he was filled with jealousy of his brother and the jealousy turned to hatred and the hatred turned to murder Um, and it's not really an unusual pattern I'm sure we can all bring to mind modern examples of this where people have not loved each other where they have not put themselves last and other people first where they have experienced jealousy and hatred where it's turned to anger. Yesterday, um, I don't know if you were watching the coronation, but I was because I am a good citizen. And so I watched the whole coronation from beginning to end. Um, And that's not just because it was raining and therefore I couldn't go outside, but I watched the whole coronation Um, And I was scrolling on the phone, like looking um, at the news um, afterwards and I was, you know, there's, I don't know, on BBC News, there was like seven stories about the coronation, different ways that you could listen to them talk to you about the coronation or hear about the coronation. And as soon as you got past those stories, there was five straight stories in a row about people dying, about war happening in different parts of the world about shootings that were happening, about things that were happening in Sudan. After you got past all of that beautiful pageantry and all of the lovely things that happened yesterday, then you got to what's going on in the world. And it was right there. All this darkness. It's not a surprise to us to hear that people don't really know or understand what love is because we see it not just in the news, but in our lives around us. All of us, I'm sure, could bring to mind a time when somebody has said an unkind word to you, or perhaps when you have said an unkind word to somebody else. All of us can think about perhaps a time um, at school, perhaps a teacher or an authority figure treated you unfairly, or we can think of a colleague or a boss who treated us unfairly. We can all think of times when we've um, not been good to our family members or they've not been good to us. Like, it's not an alien concept. The alien concept is the love that is whole and pure and self-sacrificing. It's more normal to us to say, yes, of course I know times when I've been hurt by other people. And that's seen by like, the media that we consume and the songs that we sing and that we know and the, the lyrics that are written and put out into the world. In fact, the songs that make um, the most money as well, generally, the heartbreak songs. It's become so normal, it's become so the human pattern for so long that we've forgotten that this is not how we were designed to exist. This is not what our relationships and our world is supposed to look like. This is not the pattern that we were created for. So how can we fix it? What does it mean to be loved and to love other people? Well, the author of 1 John is very clear in verse 23. And this is his command. To believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. We are to have faith in Jesus. The God who became a human being, who came to earth to live and to die and to suffer for us. We are to believe in him. And we are to do as he commanded us. His, yeah, we are to do as he commanded us. We are to love one another. The great philosopher Marvin Gaye once said Ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no valley low, low enough, ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. It's a beautiful song, and the music video is sadly outdated and not high quality enough to show on a screen. As we think about those lyrics, um, I like to think that Marvin Gaye, I have literally no evidence for this whatsoever, but that it was inspired by Paul in Romans. <laughs> Talk about how there are no depths, <laughs> there are no heights that can keep us from the love of Jesus Christ. What a statement that there is, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love that can be found in Jesus. How incredible is that? How intimate is that love? That there is nothing that can separate us. That there is nothing further away. That Jesus might very well sing, Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. Ain't no river wide enough to keep me from you. So great is his desire to be with us, to know us, and to love us. So great is his desire that he gave up his life for us. But there's also, I guess, a challenge in that because there is that same love that Jesus has shown us that we are commanded to show to each other that we should give up our lives for one another for the people in this room for those that aren't here this evening that we should be willing to give up our lives the same way that Jesus did for each other that we should be able to sing to one another and serenade each other ain't no mountain high enough ain't no valley low enough ain't no river wide enough that could keep me from you what a depth of intimacy that would be within that to really know each other well enough to know when each other are hurting, to be able to give not just out of our wealth, but more than what we would reasonably consider sensible to each other, to know that for each one of us, whether it's a practical need or an emotional need or a spiritual need, that we would come through for that other person, that we would love self-sacrificially as far and as deep and as much as we can. Now, once again, I do not believe that I am likely to be asked to give up my life for any person in this room, though Jesus has made it very clear that I should. But it seems unlikely that that will be the scenario I will be faced with in my lifetime if I stay in this country. So how else is it to be shown? Well, he says here it's practical support. It's being there, that not letting any of us go without, not letting any of us be alone, walking in with each other through each and every journey um, and burdens through life, to be alongside each other all of the time. I wonder if you would take a moment with me. Perhaps you might like to close your eyes. Ask God to raise in your mind the name of someone who is in need right now. Who is it that God would have you Love more. It might be the the first name that came to mind. You thought, no, it can't be that person. If that was your thought, it probably was. Perhaps a surprising name came to mind somebody whose need you don't know of. Perhaps this is God telling you that they require more attention. It is not a matter of shame to require the help of our brothers and sisters. It is a matter of love. We are loved by our God and so by his body on earth. Who would God have us love more? When we love each other in this way, two things uh, can happen. One of those things is that it can be quite controversial and unpopular. Uh, The author of 1 John says, um, Do not be surprised if the world hates you, uh, which seems an unusual reaction to love. Um, Our society is particularly obsessed with telling us that we should love everyone and that love always wins. Um, And all of these kind of phrases that go about Um, but actually what happens when we love unconditionally when we love self-sacrificially Is it challenges people's perceptions of the way that they should protect themselves. you've heard like put yourself first look after number one Um, So long that you've looked after yourself and perhaps your family members that's more important than looking after everybody else Don't put that in danger to look after other people But that is not the pattern that we are shown in the Bible. The pattern we are shown in the Bible is to love recklessly, sacrificially, deeply and intimately. And because that challenges people's perceptions, it can be incredibly unpopular to love in that way. And the second thing that sometimes happens um, when we are following in God's way is that we start to experience some doubts, some uncertainties. Because we're stepping out of the boat, um, to use a little Christian imagery, um, and we're walking um, on the water, it's uncertain and it feels unnatural and it's a little bit scary. um, And so we can start to experience doubts. What if God really doesn't love me that much? What if I'm not really a Christian? What if I'm just kind of faking it? Um, What if I'm not good enough to act in this way? Um, and this is so normal that the author here like, speaks to this, this very happenstance that happens. It's not just a modern phenomenon. It happened all the way back um, when the Bible was written, um, that to have these doubts, to experience this kind of attack, to experience this insecurity. And he says that the answer is to seek the presence of God. In God's presence, we find all that we require. Now, some of us uh, seek his presence in different ways and and access his presence in different ways. For some of us, um, that happens most deeply in like sung worship. For some of us, it happens intellectually, like we like to study and know and understand and we find a revelation from God kind of there. Um, For some of us, um, we like to do it out in nature. That's where we have the most sense of God's fingerprints in creation around us. Um, And these are all absolutely acceptable. So when I say, can you feel the love tonight? Um, I'm not necessarily talking about like an emotional feeling. That is absolutely something that God can and does love to bless us with. But I understand that that's not the main way for a lot of us. In fact, it's not my main way of um, being in God's presence and interacting with him. Um, And that's absolutely fine. I want to encourage you um, in that. When we focus on our doubts, we tend to flee from God's presence because we're scared that we won't find it that he won't come to us, that we're somehow like not good enough to be in it. And so we tend to start doing things like avoiding church um, or avoiding spending time with him on a daily basis, avoiding reading our Bible, avoiding praying, because we're a bit worried that if we do and then nothing happens, it will just confirm that we're not really as holy as we thought we were beforehand. Or maybe he doesn't really love us or he's not really there. But the opposite is true. When we experience doubts, we are encouraged to come closer into God. Because it says here, even when our hearts attack us, God is greater than our hearts. He is greater than our doubts. He is greater than our fear. He is greater than our sin. Because of course, we are not good enough to come into his presence. And that is why he sent his son to die, that we might know him. Right here, the passage ends. This is how we know he lives in us. We know it by the spirit that he gave us. So, there is an importance in seeking God's presence. In it we find a God who loves us deeply, wholly and intimately. And out of that place we have everything we need to love each other deeply and wholly and intimately and that is when we become a people that are changed. We become a people that impact the headlines, not because we want to gain uh, noise or favor for ourselves, but because we make a difference. We had somebody here this morning um, from a mission society talking to us about how uh, his his excitement um, and his role is to seek to share the gospel with people who live on the edge. Well, being Christians in the UK is somewhat like always living on the edge. Um, and all of us now know and see people who are in need. And actually, we can talk about doing practical things to support, but if these things do not come from love first, they become hollow and meaningless. Tom came to visit Youth Club recently, um, and we did a Q&A with our Youth Club kids. Um, we see about 60 kids on a Thursday evening. Um, exactly one of them is from a Christian family. Um... And uh, none of the rest of them really come anywhere near church. Thursday night is the closest they come, and it's a community youth club. And he came to meet the older group. There's about 20 of them. Um, They're all about 16 years old, uh, and they're a very interesting bunch um, of young people. Uh, they got a lot of energy and a lot of things going on in their lives. And so I asked Tom to come in, do a q and A. I I got them to write some questions on their pieces of paper. And out of all the questions that were wide-ranging that evening that Tom answered, the one that caused like, the most outrage was when he talked about what unconditional love means, particularly using the example of marriage. So, he talked about what it was to have unconditional love for your partner, to know that there was nothing they could do or say that would cause you to walk away from them because you had committed to them for life. This was revolutionary and caused genuine anger that is still talked about to this day at youth club. How could he say that you would love somebody even if they treat you poorly? Why would you stay? Would you not just go like, what if, if you knew that your partner would forgive you if you cheated on them, why don't you just go and cheat on them? Because they'll forgive you anyway, so it's not a problem. It was such a foreign concept that we are still working through. When did you come? Like four months ago? It was a while. I'm not joking. I most recently spoke about it two Thursdays ago. That Tom, Tom, is he the one that came and spoke about marriage? Yes, that's the Tom. Yeah, we did not agree. I'm like... And you know what? It's not, it's not because Tom didn't explain it well. It's because they cannot comprehend the idea of being loved unconditionally. Does that not break your heart? Because it breaks mine. We've got 60 kids in the building on a Thursday. Do not understand what it means to be loved unconditionally. No concept of it. But we do. Whether we've ever 100% believed it before or not. Whether we've ever leant into it before or not. God's love does not depend on our mood or our feelings or whether or not we feel connected to him. God is love. His love is for us. Out of his love came all of creation. We are the reflection and the expression of his love. And we show it in how we care for and we love one another. So... If you would like to grow in knowing more of God's love and in sharing it with the world around you, can I ask you please to stand? Phil, would you come up? We'll take a moment to receive from God and to seek his presence together. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to put your hands out in front of you. disney says can you feel the love tonight but that is not an accurate reflection god we know you love us tonight last night tomorrow night every night (laughs) of our lives lord would you please in your mercy come and meet with us now